1: Rise above the sea of sameness and shop the Lincoln Corsair at Woodhouse Lincoln, the Omaha Metro's exclusive Lincoln dealer. The Lincoln Corsair has seating for five and integrated technology features that deliver the functionality you need. With an expressive aesthetic and luxurious interior, the Lincoln Corsair is quiet luxury, redefined. Visit us in-store off 144th and Giles Road at Woodhouse Place or online at woodhouselincoln.com.
2: I'm Robert Evans. On my show, Behind the Bastards, I chronicle the worst people in all of
1: history. And over the next three weeks, from March 15th to March 31st, in six episodes, we're chronicling the worst living war criminal in the world former U.S. Secretary of
2: State, Henry Kissinger. In a special project with The dollop, you'll learn everything about Kissinger over the course of six blood-soaked episodes. Episodes will drop Tuesdays and Thursdays in the Behind the Bastards feed. Listen to Behind the Bastards on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. It's me, Brian Baumgartner, and maybe you've heard my podcast. The Office Deep Dive. Well, now I'm expanding it into even more of your favorite shows in my new podcast, Off the Beat. Hey,
1: everybody, I'm Rob Riggle. Hi, I'm Allison Hannigan. My name is Jamie Lynn Segler, Meadow
2: Soprano. Eric Stone Street. I played Cameron Tucker. Listen to Off the Beat on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best Podcast. It's summer, which means one thing. It's time to drink a lot of beer. Uh, Well, actually, I mean, we said the same thing in the winter. And we'll say it again in the fall. But anyway, don't let that distract you from today's episode featuring Dave Bracey and Ed Bailey. They're two comedians from Pittsburgh, PA, who host Drinking Partners, a podcast about craft beer culture. They're also two of the minds behind Fresh Fest, the nation's first black beer festival. They're going to come on to talk about this year's digital version of Fresh Fest, why you shouldn't miss it, and how increasing inclusivity in beer is making the brewing world a much more interesting place, but also why we all still have a long way to go. First up, we have noted friend of is Zach Mack. He owns ABC Beer Co. in New York City. He's also a beer writer and certified Cicerone. He's gonna come on to lay out his picks for the best beers to drink this summer, 2020. I think we all could use a drink, so here's our call. All right, what is up, Zach? How are you? I'm good, Will. How are you doing? I'm good. It's so good to hear your voice. It's been so long. I know. I feel like a lot has changed since the
2: last time we actually spoke like this. <laughs>
3: That's definitely true. A lot has changed. I, <laughs> some would say everything has changed. Yeah, that sounds all right. right. <laughs> so first, I have to ask you about your bar, ABC Beer Co. in the East Village in Manhattan. Uh, what is your status as of right now, the week of you know June 29th?
2: Well, talking about a lot changing, I mean, since the last time we spoke, we were, you know, that was back in March when we were just transitioning over from closing down the bar side and then focusing on our retail. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw an incredibly good response from our community on that. We I feel very happy that uh, everyone was, you know, was was as welcoming to us as they were. We picked up more groceries and things like that. And that's something where we've carried on for the last few months. And then uh, New York City was able to interface two of reopening a couple of weeks ago, which you know, notably was, was a big deal because now we can offer some kind of outdoor seating. Yeah. Um, so we were we, went, we didn't jump right on it because we wanted to make sure we were doing everything safely. We wanted our employees to feel like they could still come to work and, and, and not feel like they're putting themselves in danger. That's been mm. our top priority since the beginning of this whole thing. So we've been slowly rolling out the outdoor seating thing with their input and changing things as we go to make sure that no one feels, we're not endangering anybody, our customers or our staff. So um, basically now we have a little bit of outdoor sitting on the on the street. We, we've seen with so many other places in Manhattan and we've opened up our back garden, um, all socially distanced and uh, responsible in terms of, of making sure that people who are coming to, to drink with us are doing so responsibly. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're still selling our, our drinks to go and things like that. People seem to be just as into that as, you know, needing to take a table at a restaurant or anything like that. So it feels good that we've been able to to kind of hit this good weather and let, let some people kind of stay responsibly drink outdoors and kind of enjoy themselves a little bit.
3: Yeah, and that's great. And, you know, congratulations to you for coming back. I'm glad to hear it. And, uh, you know, with the outdoor seating, I kind of hope it sticks. It's very Parisian in a way.
2: It feels, I was going to say, it feels incredibly European. Yeah, That's does. what everyone
3: says. It's, it reminds me of Montreal
2: where I went to college where in the summertime, they just, you know, people just assume that the bars are going to push out into the street a bit.
3: And you know, along with owning ABC Beer Co., you're also a Cicerone. Am I saying that right?
2: You gotta, you're getting better with this every time. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a
3: joke. I, I don't know what to say. Whatever. Can you just, uh, for people that <laughs> haven't heard previous episodes and don't know that inside joke, can you uh, explain what a Cicerone is basically?
2: Yes, yeah, so a very complicated uh, pronunciation of that word is is just the beginning of it. Uh, Cicerone is basically a certified uh, beer expert, similar to a sommelier for wine. So essentially we take an exam and then we have all of the background on service and style history and beer treatment, everything like that, and kind of just can run our mouths once you've passed this very hard exam.
3: Well, that's exactly what we need. And I do want to talk about summer beers. I guess my question for you right up front is, what makes a great summer beer in your mind, aside from being able to drink it outside, maybe on the patio of ABC Beer Co., for example?
2: <laughs> well, honestly, every, every year when I get to do these these like lists, people always want these recommendations. And I honestly say that the best summer beer is the one that's cold and at hand and mm-hmm. something that you want to drink. I think more than any other month of the year or any, any other season of the year, summer is when you want beer most. Um, having said that, I think the perfect summer beers are basically, if you're going to do a little research into it, most people, when they close their eyes and think of something that they open on a on a hot day, it's going to be something of the variety of pilsner uh, or like a nice light lager. But that doesn't mean that the only summer beers you can drink are are pale and crisp or crispy boy, as we like that you know, as you and I like to call them.
3: I do. I like um, those crispy boys.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of me, like I, I start veering more towards the. I like my, my bright citrusy IPAs more this time of year than I do in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, those are something that are made year-round, but I feel like they just go really well right now. So if you're looking to maybe bridge into the IPA world finally, like if you're one of those rare holdouts, now is a great time to do it. But I also really find that this is a good time of year for some of the lighter Belgian styles that are starting to get more play okay. with different breweries. So finding some of these light farmhouse ales or lighter saisons that, that tend to go really nicely with a lot of like summer food uh, but also feel really, really good and refreshing without being completely one note. There's a lot going on, but not too much. And they're they're just kind of a good accompaniment to summer activity.
3: Yeah, I can definitely feel that. And you know what? You'd be proud of me, Zach. I, during the pandemic, I've actually been drinking a lot more craft beer. Um, there are two bars I'm pr- I am me. proud of yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much. I knew you would <laughs> be. Um, in South Brooklyn, Beer Wax on Vanderbilt and um, Gold Star. Hands down one of my favorite bars. Oh. Two of my Two favorite of bars
2: on the planet, not yeah. just Brooklyn. I, I love those guys. Incredible. Beer Wax is one of those places I miss going to so much because of the environment created with the with the records and stuff. It's honestly just one of the best bars.
3: You know, I have to call out one brewery specifically that I've been drinking a lot that I feel like hits at so well is Finback from Brooklyn. Love them. Uh,
2: forever. Those guys, I was going to say, my one of my favorite summer beers just got word is about to be dropped. Uh, by them, but yeah, they really honestly, New York City has been super lucky to be blessed with so many good breweries. But Finback really ranks at the top for me. Justin and the adventurousness of what they do mm-hmm. on paper, it looks like something that you'd be terrified to try. And then, roundly, everyone I put it in front of and they try it, everyone loves it. They're for as adventurous as they are, they're incredibly approachable. First off, they're a good couple of guys. They're they're great to work with, and and they are very. They add a lot to the New York beer scene in general, but this, you know, their, their stuff is completely, like you said, it's very approachable and it's really eye openingly good.
3: Yeah. Do you have a favorite, if someone was looking to snag a can um, or a few cans from Finback, do you have one that you'd recommend, especially for summertime?
2: I think because they've actually expanded their distribution, uh, their distribution, distribution footprint because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. you can actually get a decent amount of their rarer stuff. So uh, my first, uh, my first bit of advice to anyone shopping for stuff like that in general is to check the date on the can Mm -hmm. um, because their, their stuff is coming through in small quantities and that keeps it fresh. So there's always a really good chance when you see their stuff on the shelf, you'll, you'll see that it was made in the last like couple of weeks and that's ideal. Um, But honestly, um, they're the beer that I got really excited about coming out is this one they do called smooth beats Miami, which is a collaboration beer with a brewery down in Miami called Jay Wakefield. Okay. And it's, uh, bear with me it's a coconut IPA Ooh. that for it's like it's not overbearing it's not cloyingly sweet at all it's just you take a sip you get this deliciously refreshing juicy IPA that has notes of coconut on the aftertaste kind of like when you breathe after and it is just like vacation in a can and I love it so much
3: as far as specific breweries and summer beers do you have anything else that you would uh you know like you said like now that distribution is a little open and people around the country can uh maybe order some of these beers they didn't have access to before what are some other beers uh, that, that you're personally drinking this summer?
2: Again, I, I'm pushing people in this case to maybe try to find some of the lo- some of the local options that you might not have had easy access to before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Go and support them and pick up stuff. Uh, the styles that you know that you like. Maybe this is a brewery you've been meaning to try. Like, make this your excuse to pack up for your weekend. You know, your weekend out at the lake or the beach, and and support these local breweries. Oxbow has just dropped um, a, a new Hellas that I'm absolutely uh, head over heels for it's a uh, is it a light lager okay. basically a german version of uh, of a, a light lager and uh, i'm a big big fan of that east brother uh brewery out of california makes a fantastic bohemian pilsner uh if you're on the west coast and you're looking for something that's just easy straightforward and and good to drink on a hot day um i'm a big big fan i spend a lot of time down in florida wow. uh when things are normal uh my girlfriend is uh from tampa bay area so we uh we always make it a part of our, every, every trip down, we have to spend at least one afternoon at Green Bench out in St. Petersburg. Uh, they have a bunch of beers to work with. Honestly, you can't go wrong on the entire lineup, but uh, the postcard pills that they make is pretty much the first beer I order whenever I touch down in the Tampa area. So uh, if you're, if you're lucky enough to be in their distribution footprint, definitely pick up Green Bench very much worth supporting um, and union craft brewing in uh, Baltimore.
3: Okay. Uh, yeah. You're
2: further down the East coast. Yeah, they they make some stuff that I'm absolutely head over heels for. Um, like I love Duck Pin. Like, if you want a nice light IPA, you can get some really really good beers from them. That uh, you know they're relatively easy to find uh, in the in the mid Atlantic area around DC. So uh, I highly recommend uh, checking out some of their stuff as well. But again,
3: um, there's no right or wrong with it. Would you say porters, stouts, things that maybe are traditionally viewed as winter beers? Do you like to drink those in the summer? Are there any that you like to drink in the summer? Does that make someone weird if you're doing that? No. (laughs) Um,
2: I think there is – people who tell you you can't drink dark beer in the summer don't realize that dark beer is refreshing and super light and such a good change-up, especially for eating barbecue. Um, Sometimes the only really good thing to go with something off the grill is a darker beer. And this actually last year has coincided with the biggest uptick in one of my favorite styles of beer called Schwartz beer which is uh, basically a light German style, light German lager um, that is just dark, dark in color, but incredibly light in body. I think mean, we're really miseducated in this country to assume that any dark beer has to be like molasses, yeah. super, super thick. And that's, you know, that's just not the case. Actually, a lot of uh, stouts and dry air stouts, uh, importers typically come out lower alcohol, lower carbs, lower sugar, just because of the way they're made. So uh, once people start experiencing that for themselves, they change their mind, but you have to do a lot of education and legwork to get people to believe that it's worth cracking a you know a darker beer on an 85-degree day, because I, I promise you, it's just as refreshing as it is in the winter, sometimes even more so. So um, The Schwartz beer has had a, a hell of a year. Actually, I joke with brewers around here a lot that um, this is the year of the Schwartz beer, and that everyone is releasing a, a dark lager now, so... Um, it's hard to come up with a couple by name, the, the, the gold standard that most people, if they've tried one is a beer from Germany called Kostritze. And it's really easy to find. And it's a good, it's a kind of the gold standard of the style as it is, but there's also a good chance if you walk into some of your local breweries and you ask them for a Schwartz beer or a dark lager, they're going to be able to point you to something because everyone's trying it out now. I think it's part of the, the, a segment that hasn't been explored enough. So brewers are really, really fancy to, to try something new that can set them apart from a sea of hazy IPAs.
0: Mm.
2: So I would highly recommend going out there or asking just, you know, keeping your eyes peeled. A lot of people put out really, really nice stouts uh, year-round that are, you know, perfectly drinkable in warm weather um, and are, like I said, really, really good accompaniments for our barbecue food or traditionally what summer food is. So um, I think you're not crazy, Will. We both like to drink dark beer all year round. Iced coffee in January. Nothing means it. Well, first off, time doesn't even mean anything anymore. That's true. So,
3: and we're inside. So, you know, whatever. Um, your German is great, by the way. You speak German, or was that just? Um...
2: Uh, barely. I took it. I took it in middle school for like a year, but I like the German language. It was just. It, it makes me laugh. I like the accent a lot. So I'm yeah. glad you think I have good. I Actually, French, but I was,
3: <laughs> okay. You're very worldly. Well, you know, speaking of um, your 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 learned palate and your worldliness. Do you have a favorite flavor of White Claw? Before we go, my final question.
2: Honestly, I, <laughs> bringing I it back around. Who knows me, if, if you give me three seconds of like any conversation on one of my favorite flavors, raspberry is my favorite flavor ever of anything. So uh, I haven't had that many raspberry White Claws. I'm not going to lie. It's just they don't come my way that much yet. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure that when the opportunity presents itself, but I have to, you know, go and pick up my White Claws. It'll probably be raspberry. Do
3: you have a flavor? What's your favorite? I'd go for the mango if, if I had all of them in front of me.
2: Mango. I have a problem with a fake mango flavor. I feel like it usually comes across as like kind of sweaty. But I don't know if that's just me. Like personally, I like super sensitive to that flavor. But, you know, it does taste very summery and tropical. So I don't blame you.
3: Sweaty. Now, you know what? I'm going to think about that every time. Not that I drink them a lot, but I'm going to think about that every time now. I might <laughs> have to switch to uh, Black Cherry. I think that's another one I like.
2: That is, I like black cherry yeah, too. I will one. say that's a good flavor. That's a good standby.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have a lot to drink, White Claw and otherwise. Um, always a pleasure to talk to you, Zach. If anyone's in the East Village in Manhattan, definitely stop by ABC Beer Co. Guys are open for business phase two. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right, man. Thanks again. Have a good afternoon. You too. You too, Will. It was good to talk to you as always. Stay, Stay safe. Zach, yeah, we'll see each other soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we will. All right. Later, ma'am. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back.
0: Hey, so what's a great way to spread awareness that driving high is illegal everywhere? A catchy song, of course. You can't run, but you can't drive high. You can run, but you can't drive high. Friendly reminder, don't drive high. If you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
2: Get ready to laugh and learn. I am flaming Road. I am he, she, we. He cash the check, she make the money, we spend it. And along with my co-host, Lauren Hogan, Laugh & Learn is a weekly podcast bringing you the latest headlines, keeping you informed, inspired, and entertained. You never know what you're going to hear, especially with my mouth. Listen and subscribe on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your Podcasts.
3: All right, next up, Dave Racy and Ed Bailey, hosts of the Drinking Partners podcast, two of the organizers behind Pittsburgh's Fresh Fest, the first black beer festival in America. Here's our call. Are you guys in Pittsburgh right now?
0: Yes, sir.
3: I am in the Poconos. We're in the same state.
0: Well, it's find technically the same state. It's really not. Yeah, but we got different problems. I'm going to buy vacation
3: in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been on vacation in Pittsburgh, first of all, a bunch of times. I was born in Pittsburgh. And I go there back a lot. So are you saying that Eastern PA and Western PA are totally different states? Because I kind of agree with you there. There's a line. Yeah,
0: they are different states. There's yeah, a, when you go home, you don't vacation. You just go right. home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have been on vacation. You didn't vacation to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were on PPO.
3: <laughs> no.
0: Your, your location was this, bro?
3: No, I moved just, away. I was visiting my grandma, but I think that you're right in there. Yeah, yeah. there's a line in the middle of Pennsylvania where all the Wawas turn to sheets, and then you are in Western yeah. Pennsylvania, and it's a different, it's a different country. So I found you guys uh, through your podcast, Drinking Partners, and I like that. I like that name a lot because it's like it's a little more formal. Than having a drinking buddy. It makes it sound like a career, right? Your drinking partner.
2: It's
0: literally friends drinking and experiencing something. So, like, the experience is a guest. Right. Uh, them talking about what they do, you know, how they got into whatever scene they're in. Oftentimes, it's a brewer, uh, how they got in, into brewing, how they got into craft, kind of, you know, cross-reference our journeys, uh, go through, you know, a bevy of beers. Some we're tasting for the first time. Some we, we've had before and we're fans, you know, coming into the episode. It's really just friends over drink, talking shit. Yeah, I mean, like, we basically get shit-faced and interview cool people. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes we spend a whole hour just, like, cracking jokes and slurring and, 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 and our words into a microphone. And sometimes, you know, we're going over the importance of the census. Um, and, you know, what that means to your local region and gerrymandering and the elections and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I mean, with, you know, there's a couple of comedians, you know, drinking the experience and grab beer and the people um, and conversations that come up, you know, around that.
3: Yeah, that sounds a lot like my job, except I usually stay out of politics. Sometimes I don't. But um, the shit face stuff and the talking, definitely right on track.
0: I don't know that See, I don't even know that we get "quote unquote" political. I mean, we're humans; we're adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we live in a, you know in a society where politics. Exists. I mean, it's just like adults exploring the variants of being an adult in today's, in today's society. Uh, that's really all it is. But we're drinking the entire time, which is what most people want to do anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we get a little political, like when we have like politicians <laughs> on, right? And then like <laughs> in our tenure. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard to not you know cross into some very, you know, some level of politics because, you know, being black in America is controversial in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, we're in a very, you know, white dominated industry and country. So like if we don't have those conversations, then, you know, we're kind of doing a disservice to ourselves and, you know, the greater community. So um, we didn't start out to be, you know, like a political podcast or whatever, and we're still not a political podcast, but, you know, it's, it's hard not to cross into those topics.
3: In 2015, my old colleague, Dave Infante, wrote an article uh, titled, There Are Almost No Black People Brewing Craft Beer, Here's Why. And I do think the stereotype of the white, doughy dude with a beard and a flannel and a Subaru at the beer festivals is not totally wrong. He wrote that in 2015. Over the past five years, have you seen some step forwards in the black craft beer world and the beer world in general
0: yeah i'd say i mean it it kind of just reflects the overall i guess atmosphere right now right we, we've always been there like there's always been you know african americans in craft beer mm-hmm. uh now you know something like freshness happens and now it's like oh okay you know people can't ignore the effect that we can have on the industry and what it looks like um these groups you know we yeah, we're a facebook group and shit like People, there's always been black people who like craft beer. They've been there. There's been craft black-owned craft breweries. They're not, you know, in abundance like white-owned craft breweries, but they exist. Um, and a lot of times, we just gotta like make it, make it intentional to, you know, put a focus on what we what we provide to an industry. Because you know, the, a lot of the swag, a lot of you know what's going on, that comes from us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, you know, we here to take our credit. We are we here to get. You know what I'm saying? We had to collect our reparations. Yeah, it'd be nice if um, you know, the next time a biggieverse like came across a can, somebody black paid for it. That'd be dope.
3: You even look at what, twenty five years ago, someone like Garrett Oliver, um, was a brewmaster at Brooklyn Brooklyn Brewery. It's not like something that has only happened in the past five years, but I feel like in the past five years right. there definitely has been movement.
0: We're we're starting to. I mean, I think a lot of it is come together in large numbers, right? So you can you can you can sit in a corner and, and be talking about what what the issues are, and you could be validated in what you feel. But you know, a lot of times again, it takes it takes someone to notice. I, honestly, it just takes like, all right, maybe we can make some money with this, right? So people see it, and it's like, all right, so we come together, and you get three to five thousand. Uh, individuals and largely you know most of them traveling like we're in pittsburgh so it's not like there were three thousand 000 crab, you know black crab their lovers in pittsburgh you know this is from everywhere people mm-hmm. flying in from california coming in from texas you know breweries you know willing to rally behind what, what's going on and, and there's value to the industry not just we can make money but like all right there's a consumer base that's been largely ignored and you're always looking for a new mm-hmm. consumer, and you come to find out that it already exists, and you gotta, like, pay these moms attention, like, yo, this is, it's good for everyone. You yeah, know, it's, it's, I think it's a mutually beneficial situation. Yeah, I mean, the, the crab beer industry was, you know, this incestuous marketing. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody was, you know, is, is marketing to the white bearded dude. And it's like, how many times can you cut that dollar up in the industry? Right. So, you know, what typically happens in most industries is that after, you know, you can't apply as the white man, you start to go and find other demographics. And typically, whenever an industry does that, it's predatory. So it's like you know, let's let's pander to the women, let's pander to the gays, let's pander to the clash. let's do what we can to make a scene like we're down, um, so that we can get them to consume. Um, and what we're trying to do is, we see that we see that wave coming, we see that you know the industry is plateauing, and it's like okay, well, you know, um, let let's provide opportunity. Um, the 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 beauty of the craft beer industry is the community aspect of it. That's what white people love about that shit. It's the variety and flavors, and it's also the fact that you know where your dollars are gone. You know that that that, that brewery is going to help uplift your community. It's not mm-hmm. just a faceless corporation taking your money and leaving. And, you know, we want that same thing in the black community. We want, you know, a black-owned brewery that employs black people and keeps money in the black community. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in the black community, like, you know, for the black community in the craft beer industry not just you know to consume and and vice versa I think there is a lot of a lot of opportunity for the craft beer industry to diversify not only the people who are buying the beer but the styles and flavors of beer that you know that that are there I mean if you only have one type of demographic that's leading you know, the, the making of a certain product, then it's gonna start to look the same after a while. So, you know, we're like, yo, what is uh, you know, what if, what if you bring in, you know, black influence, you know, cooking and, and cuisine into the art of craft deal? What does that look like? Um, and, uh, you know, Fresh Fest, you saw a lot of what that looked like, and uh, the country saw it as well. So, and they, they, seem to, they seem to really like it.
3: Can you kind of go into how you helped start Fresh Fest and what was the impetus behind it?
0: Uh, so, I mean, it, you know, we were, we were in this it was podcast for years at this point. Um, we, uh, invited Mike Potter down to the podcast and found out, you know, how the scene looked from a national scale, not just from a local scale. I mean, Pittsburgh is white. Comedy is white. Uh, drinking, you know, the podcasting is white. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, Southwestern Pennsylvania, I mean, like, so we kind of, like we, we we saw like oh wow this this is a pretty you know but like we're kind of used to that because we're in this Venn diagram of vanilla yeah so you know so like meeting somebody that had a, a an understanding and said yeah well I mean you can go to New York City and still not see a lot of black people in craft breweries you know that is like a, a more of a wake up call like okay well you know let, let, let's let's figure out why you know these 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 are these reasons and 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 what we could do um and you know like there's you know the fact that breweries don't open up in black neighborhoods um if they do open up in black neighborhoods they're soon to be gentrified so we're not going to be there for very long um you know the fact that there's you know startup costs um you know representation um access you know people don't People don't know, you know, like they don't have a lot of, like, family that'll you know I mean? That just teaches, you know, and passes it down, things of that nature. So, like, um, you know, we as entertainers, you know, we're like, all right, well, what can we do? So we, we came up with this, a festival.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, you know, a festival, a festival can can bring, you know, a lot of these elements to it. It can bring representation by bringing black brewers from across the country together and black drinkers together to be like, oh, well, walk them out alone. Um, you know, we can we we did the collaborations between local breweries and black um, community members, so that we can have these conversations, so that you know we can build these connections. Uh, that whole model of you know getting a bunch of beer and sitting around in the parking lot is old and stale as fuck. So um, <laughs> let's let's do something more than just try to drink as much high ABV beer as we can in a in a two hour session. And then what we learned too, when, when we kind of ventured into it. Um, it's basically people didn't dislike craft beer, right? Most of the people that said they didn't like craft beer hadn't even had it. Uh, I think they just, going back to the presentation, they dislike the aesthetics of it. You know, when, when we go into a craft brewery, I don't see anyone like myself. I don't see myself represented. And then when you can bring that to folks and, and they give it a chance and they, you know, like you said, see uh, like-minded individuals who look like themselves, uh, enjoying a good time, you know, we were, I guess, uh, fortunate with the weather because anytime you get good weather in Pittsburgh, you have an outdoor event. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like, just imagine all of that coming together, and a lot of the individuals, I mean, there are a lot of craft enthusiasts there, but there are a lot of just regular folks trying to have a good time, trying to be around good people. And for Day and myself, what we, what we learned in the craft industry prior to even doing the festival is there are a lot of good people um, and we had a lot of value on what we can we can bring
3: to the table. You talked about you know different craft brewers co-opting uh, images of rappers, even their lyrics for their titles and their cans. I mean, how do you guys feel about that stuff?
0: Uh, he's, he's talking about appropriation. Yeah, appropriation is whack. Like if you're if you're putting Biggie lyrics on a on a can and nobody black is getting paid for it, like you know, I like it's just it's weird to me. Um, you know, I mean, I guess if you, you know, and and people like to say like, oh, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, rap is a, you know, it's everybody's culture and it's pop and like, you know, I grew up and, you know, I listened to this and, you know, why can't I celebrate and this, that, and the other. And it's like, if the only thing that you're doing is taking from the culture, then like, you're not like, like, so, okay. So you, what you spent like 10 bucks, 15 bucks on a CD back in the day. Like now you got a brewery and you're selling how many cans of beer off of, off of this dude? Like, like, are you doing anything actively for the black community or are you, did you, did you get a great fucking album from us? And then now you got great lyrics that you can sell more beer from us. Like where's, where's the give back? Like when are you, when do you, when do you get back to like, I right, well thank you for the culture. Here's something like, yeah, I mean, like you, that, that's not, you selling more beer, with rap labels isn't like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're ending racism. It's not like racists won't buy your your picky lyrics. <laughs> like, yeah. It, was, it well, has nothing to do with, with any of that. Like, I mean, it has something to do with you you taking black culture and selling more beer from it and not giving anything back. Dave, do you think that that
3: is where it crosses from being something that's, like, actually positive to what you were kind of saying before about predatory? Where it's like they're pandering and just trying to pick up a demographic without actually including a demographic in in what they're making?
0: I mean, if they're not, if they're not doing any other efforts other than putting the lyrics on there and playing some music in their place, then like, how does that benefit anybody? Like difference between exploitation and inclusion, right? So exploitation would be, I can make a dollar off of this. Inclusion would be, you know, how, how do we, how do we, you know, make I, I think for the industry, basically we can make a dollar, make a dollar but yeah. but here's what they should look at, and, and this is the real thing, like exploitation, right? So you throw a lyric on there, and all right, that can sell, that beer sells well, right? Boom. But if you if you really approach it from an inclusion standpoint, now now you're talking about something happening in perpetuity. You're talking about reciprocity, not just not just you know, hey, we are giving out. To, to the you know other folks who who can we can invest in who can make a difference but like it's something that'll be residual it's something that's going to happen over and over and over and over again because this demographic will will, will feel spoken to they'll feel included like right? and that, and that's what we're trying to you know make the industry see make the world see like yo inclusiveness benefits everyone there's this you know you can be it and, and make a dollar, but why not be inclusive? You'll make more dollars. You'll make it over time, and everybody gets money.
3: Right, and I mean, I think that's important, because in my mind, and I am not, I would say I'm the novice-level craft beer drinker. I do episodes right there like there with this. you You're like,
0: what? <laughs> yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah, we, we all novices out here, man. We all, we all don't get that's my that's beer from dining. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Amateur, <laughs> amateur, maybe whatever is a notch below novice. Maybe I am overselling myself, but what I do like about uh, craft beer is that it is a creative process, right? So all of that creativity, I feel like, could work together. It that's that's kind of what sets it apart from, you know, as much as I love Modelo, they're not they don't sponsor this, by the way. I am just drinking it out of my own accord. But as much as I love <laughs> like Modelo. <laughs> or, like, Budweiser or whatever, like, you do have a craft beer because it's, like, creative. You're like, holy shit, I never knew that this this tastes like nothing I've ever had before, and I love that. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's ideas. Like, if you, you never spoke to, you know, a certain demographic, you don't even know what they taste buds are. Yeah. Like, we throwing throwing extra shit in there like you never even thought of. Like, it's just new ideas, and you find that, you know what, these are good ideas, and more than just the person that I'm speaking to likes it. You know, you, you may go to... A black artist and get an idea but you'll find that that bearded white guy in the flannel you like that shit too do we even know if biggie like hazy not like i mean we don't even we don't even know
3: we ain't even nobody asked me so, like how was he a part of the creative process and exploited i i don't i Unless listen i'm, I'm, just, d- I'm d- like gonna go him. out on a limb i don't think he liked I, hazy IPAs, I'm not an expert. I don't, I don't I don't know, man. I mean, hazies are beautiful things, man, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I never, act, I never, nobody
0: Nobody ever asked me. Nobody asked his mom. Nobody asked anybody as a state. Nobody was like, yo, what's the, what's the official flavor of the, I mean, the biggie estate? Nobody, nobody cares. So how the hell was that a part of the creative process? If everything about this is supposed to be the creative process top to bottom, and then you just stop at the label and just slap some old lazy shit on it. Man, that's half-ass, man. That's, that's that. Uh, that's that crunchy peanut butter. That half-ass done shit. Like, ah, oh, man. Like, you finish your job. Make it. Make it creamy. Make it fully creamy. Make that. Make that shit smooth. You just. You, you. You. Quitting halfway through, man.
3: Like on that note of actually getting more inclusive with who is learning to make beer and who is making beer. I think. I think. Day. I think you said something about how when you know it's not when you have people of different backgrounds making beer and being interested in beer, you get different results, right? Like you're, you're talking about uh, black owned breweries that are incorporating like black cooking into what they're making. And they're actually coming up with different flavors and different, you know, uh, ways to approach beer. Have you actually seen that? Do you have like uh, an example of that actually happening? Because I, I think that's really interesting. I think it's just a testament to no matter what your morality is, it's like, Always better when you have more people in a field, when you have people from different backgrounds and different viewpoints.
0: yeah, I mean, so the first year uh, Butler Bo Works paired up with Dr. Hollywood and made ice cream and Moscato. It was a um it was a vanilla it was a it was an ale with vanilla and muscat grapes. Um, and it and it mimicked. so you know uh, uh, Dr. Hollywood, she had a um, song called uh, Ice cream and Moscato. And they mimicked the flavors of ice, ice cream, moosado, and beer. It was phenomenal. I had not had anything quite like it before or since. Um, the the bottle was beautiful. The presentation, um, I mean, it was it was amazing. Those are the flavors that you know she enjoyed. Um, I don't think she was you know a big craft beer drinker before that. Mm. Uh, you know, we had um, support your local artists. Uh, you know, I mean, Sam Black. She's a Jamaican. She made a sangria beer. Um, she loves sangria. Uh, we had Coco Um, Camille, she made a, uh, a for the cookout. It was a barbecue beer. beer you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know. Who did, who did Claudie? So we had, we had Claudie. He's actually a chef he Yeah. Right. The cuisine. Uh, it was it? Was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was Claudie with a chance of mango. Claudie with, a cha- Claudie with a chance of mango. So a mango, He made like a mango chicken. They had a mango beer. I'm trying to think of who we collabed with. That was super, super. Yeah. yeah, they made a mango. They made a mango beer to like go along with it. We had um, we had Honey who designed Hi. the label, and she came up with a um, you know, her and Meg came up with a, uh, the the world, is, the world is yours. Um, it was a a, a mango and like a, a passion fruit, blue uh, IPA, and it kind of tasted like a it tasted like a mimosa. Um, and it was one of the best beers at that festival because, I mean, brunch, you know, brunch life is, is big in the, you know, in, with, with, with black women in the community. So, like, you know, you're, you're seeing, you know, you're having conversations with folks that don't feel, oh, oh the, oh, the, the, the velvet henny cake. Oh, it was red velvet. cake. It was uh my well favorite. Oh my god! Was it was trying cool. to bring Henny to the craft game for, oh. for the entire time. We was it doing. was it was it was a baker, and she she you know they they made an old they made a uh, an old ale with like infused with um red velvet cake and Hennessy, and I mean it was man. Yeah, Beyoncé so so, Jackson, or formerly Beyoncé Jackson, they just got married. So, like you 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 bringing everyone's bringing their background. It, it's not just. Oh, I like this flavor. I mean, there's, there's a like they said, earlier, there's a story behind the beer. Mm. There's a real story narrative behind each beer at Fresh Fest because you know people are taking the time, they're, they're putting real thought into it. It's not just a mashing of ingredients. It's not just oh we saw this here. Let's try something different. It's like yo, you don't know be dope. If we had a collard green and ribs, you know what I mean? Like, why like yeah. you just said, let's like for the cookout. Boom. That'll be dope. That'll be something that she wants to try. That's something that she would like to see. And when you get people to do that, when you empower them to do that, you'll see that other people will gravitate towards that.
3: Yeah. And you have to have a chance to do what you do. And I think that's like an argument, like, whatever, whatever your politics are, whatever you think. <laughs> it's 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 shitty for everyone if everyone doesn't get a chance to do something like make a craft beer, right? Because, like, if you're, you know, I think, Day, you were saying it, or I, I think, Ed, actually, you said it before. It was like, if you're only catering to one demographic and only one type of person is making this, it's all going to taste the same, and it's not going to be interesting anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, you know,
0: it, it's wild because, like, yeah, don't get me wrong, dude. My beer industry has been doing a, a fantastic job of coming up with all kind of wild ass beers and flavors and, and, and this that, and the other. And that's dope. But like it's not it's not the same as if you give you know, if you if you if, if other people are, are involved. You gotta get it from the authentic motherfuckers. And the way that we cook our food and the way that we pair that up is gonna be completely different than, you know, so like the flavor combination, like the shit that you don't even think about, like, you know what I mean? Like you know them. Them Haitians be doing shit with some shit that like you'd be like, wait, how? Like you would never even think to add those two things together. But if you if you simmer in a pot long enough, then and, and, and put your toe in it, then some shit come out. You'd be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm with it now. You know what I mean? But like that's not. But you got You have to. You have to come from that culture in order to to, to get there. You know what I mean? So, you yeah. know. I think the industry for a long time was searching. Everybody was searching for that aha. Like there we go and. There's actually, there's that in just people culture. You know, like instead of searching for that that quirky combination, how about that unique combination to this industry? Mm. Because those combinations are tried and true. Those flavors are proven. We just haven't seen them in beer.
3: Okay, we need to take a quick break. I'm sorry, but we'll be right back.
1: Rise above the sea of sameness and shop the Lincoln Corsair at Woodhouse Lincoln, the Omaha Metro's exclusive Lincoln dealer. The Lincoln Corsair has seating for five and integrated technology features that deliver the functionality you need. With an expressive aesthetic and luxurious interior, the Lincoln Corsair is quiet luxury, redefined. Visit us in-store off 144th and Giles Road at Woodhouse Place or online at woodhouselincoln.com.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Chuck and Josh here from Stuff You Should Know to encourage you to listen to this week's episode on NATO.
1: Yeah, we
2: dive into the history of NATO, why it matters and what the heck is going on in Ukraine right now. That's right. And the history is really important because we get into how it was formed, which countries are involved. We talk about how NATO is budgeted and where the money comes from. And really what it boils down to is
0: an agreement among nations to collectively protect one another and support one another.
2: Yeah. So if you've been like, why is NATO sending arms but not troops to Ukraine? And what's this talk about neutrality? And why is Russia in Ukraine in the first place? Check out our episode on NATO. What's NATO all about? Available now wherever you get podcasts.
3: If you can plan barbecues and weddings, you can plan to protect yourself from a natural disaster.
1: Sign up for local alerts, prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Yeah, what are you guys drinking
3: this summer? You know, what is your go-to beer? Even pandemic beer. You know, it's been a tough time. Let's call it like it is. What have you and been drinking the most of?
0: I'm always, I'm always looking at stouts as many as I can get um, because they're very scarce this this season. Um, so you know, anytime I, I come across a good one, I'm on it. Just a, a good milky stout, good uh, milky stout, and, and milky uh, milky sours. Those are those are those are those are my faves at the moment.
3: Even in the summer, IPA, the, yeah. the, even the milk in the summer, you're, you're into that? Yes. All, all, all,
0: all year, all year round, man. My, my, my three favorite drinks are milk, beer, and, and juice. So if you give me a, a, a nice, juicy, milky IPA, ah,
3: brah. So Ed, what, what specifically are you drinking? Are you staying local too, or are you, um, are you ordering stuff?
0: I try to say local uh it. you know, we all have have our favorites. Uh here in Pittsburgh, we got this strip, this uh this 28, you know, there's several several hard-hitting breweries on uh, route 28. So, you know, I, I made my rounds there. Um but yeah, keep it local. Um you know, the local is really that's who supported us to begin with. And they open their doors to us, uh so I always you know, I'll always support local. Allegas just uh, opened up in Pittsburgh. I mean, they didn't open up there, but they're distributing out here. Sure. I mean, there's been a little bit more of that. They're actually uh, collaborating with uh, Urban Roots out in uh, San Diego for the festival. Um, so that's been has been dope having uh, such a you know a, a, a time honored brewery like Allegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, time honored, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> wow, is in remote. Go. I need to uh, what's the story which that. <laughs> that, um, with I mean, four points. Like right now, man. Like at this point, anytime I can see my hands on some four points, it's been they have not disappointed us thus far. So, um, and they just got a candy line, like right before Corona hit. So, um, yeah, I mean, they uh, we weren't able to get a lot of their beer beforehand. They're a little, you know, a little too south of the city.
1: Yeah, and we, we'll,
0: you know, they weren't distributing or anything like that. But like now, woo. Man, yeah. If I had to drill down on just one brewery and one brew in particular, it'd be you know I'm I'm, I'm on this Hitchhiker Airway, uh, and then if I can get a, get my hands on the RGB, that's a little strong. That's a, that's you gotta have that Friday, Saturday, all right? Okay. Yeah, but that Airway, I can I can have on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, hitchhiker, one of my
3: favorites. Depends on what kind of Tuesday you want to have, because I mean, lately, you know, what's the difference, right?
0: <laughs> Covid days. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it depends on what type of Wednesday morning you want to ask. That's, that's,
3: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. What do you hope to see from Black craft beer culture in the next like five years? You know, not just at Fresh Fest, but just across the country, across the world.
0: Opportunity and consistency therein. You know, diversity is the the hot tick hot ticket item right now, right? Everybody, every corporate structure, every industry right now is fighting black people to say, hey, how do we how do we increase diversity? Uh but I want to see that consistent. What does this look like in 2022? Are we still seeking out, you know, those same opportunities for African Americans? Are we seeking out, you know, their influence on the industry? So opportunity and consistency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hire black people, man. Pay hey, black people. Like, like just you I mean be more, be more aware of your supply chain. Be more aware of your patronage. Be more aware of your your board, your your employees, your staff. Be more aware of your life, man. Like, if you only got one black friend, then you like why? Like, there's a lot of us out here. Like, if you only have one black employee, or 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 uh, you know, you just, you know, like you know, like, it's, it's you gotta. You gotta, you gotta be more aware. You gotta diversify. You know your life, your business, and you know like Black squares on Instagram is cool, but like you know so is actual change, actual equity and action, and not just talking about it, but like you know not just a, a, a random donation here and there, but like real change, real steps in you know making your making your establishment more comfortable for Black folks. And uh, you know, actually putting your money where your mouth is. Um, hiring black, you know, artists for your labels to 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 play songs at your at your place, to to market your, you know, your 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 thing. Some hop farmers maybe. Like, you know, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of black people out there. Um, and, you know, it, it only strengthens your brand. And that's the thing, you know, and like, you know, it's It's the thing that we're saying, like, hey, you should do this, because, like, in in reality, like, it's going to happen. Like, we're we're building a table. We're not, like, just saying, hey, industry, can you give us a chance? We're actually out here making chances. We're actually doing shit. We built this festival. Like, it wasn't like, oh, can you guys give us a chance? It was like, "Yo, this is some dope shit that we have a connection to, so we're going to do it. And once we did it, people were like, oh, shit. Now that people know that it's a possibility, now that people see it, they're moving towards that, and if you're not, you're going to be left behind. So you know, um, you know, I, I would like to see it, and I think that we're going to see it. And if, if other people aren't getting down on it, it's okay because we will be creating these opportunities. You know, continuing to do so, we have, we have the, we have the understanding, we have the, the ability, and we have the allyship in order to do so. What's Fresh Fest going to look like this year? So for ten bucks, you're going to get six streaming channels. Sell it. So like, yeah, I mean, you get. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be holding podcasts, um, live forums. Those are gonna be all across the country. Um, we have like Garrett Oliver is gonna hop in, Jay Nicole Beckham, Doctor Jay Nicole Beckham, yeah, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. the, the, the Doctor. The doctor. <laughs> um, you know, Ren Navarro. Uh, we got Paul Jones from Cloudwater, Stacey Stacy AF from uh, Rock Leopard out in England. Um, so we have speakers, we got podcasts, we got DJs. Um, they're gonna be mixing. While live artists are in the same room, like doing live painting. so like that's going to be uh, something that we're live streaming here from Pittsburgh. We got live music. Um, we got a brewing channel, so people, you know, we're going to be live brewing um, at a small batch brewery here in, in Pittsburgh, while also, um, you know, showing some pre-recorded content. We got live cooking. We're going to have chefs making food, um, and we're going to send out the recipes in advance for people to like, you know, follow uh, follow along with are going to be streaming as well, um, and we got live music, bands, rappers, dancers, um, lot, all live streaming. Um, you know, you know, online and uh, you know, high quality coming. You know, through through uh, Work Hard Digital. Um, so it's, it's six channels, uh, twelve to nine, you know, fifty-four hours of, of, of entertainment. You got education, you got brewing, you got cooking, you got the the art, the music, all of the things that folks love. Um, we got the, the collaboration pack with the eight brewers, eight local, eight uh, black-owned breweries. Uh, they're going to be shipped all across PA through Beverages to you. them. Um, the black-owned breweries are going to be shipped across the country through Jambore. Um mm-hmm. So, you know, you get the social aspect, you get the beer, you get the education, you get the music, the art. you know, I mean, you get you get all of the aspects, yeah. but you don't get the uh, the, the virus. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, all, that's all the of the good.
3: important part. All of the good with no virus. I mean, that's really fucking cool. All of that sounds great, and it sounds like a great pivot to something that, you know, take taking kind of a, a shitty situation and turning it into something that's actually really cool and, and people all over the world can now experience. And you don't have to uh, go to Pittsburgh on vacation, which I still contend is not the worst idea. It's a great city to spend a weekend in if you're there when it's not gray it's
1: in that mama two-month here. Period.
3: <laughs> no, My grandma was there, but uh, she's dead, so there's no reason to go. It is.
0: It is. It's a it's a dope ass city. It we is. enjoy hosting it, and we will enjoy hosting it again in the future. Yeah. Um. But you know, like this, this lowers the barrier even more. You know what I mean? Like for the people that wanted to try to, you know, wanted to experience press they can do it without having to buy a ticket. Um. You know, across you know across the country or whatever. And then, like I said, it's ten bucks. So, like, there's very few people that can't afford this experience. You know I mean, not to say that there aren't. I mean, mm. there is a digital divide, and that's a real problem. Yeah, but for as much as we can, you know, we're lowering this to like, you know, if you got ten bucks in a library card, man, it's a dime bag. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> you ain't bought a dime bag. You ain't bought a dime bag. You can go down one gradient of strand. Get <laughs> the <laughs> check. It's ten dollars, not for access sure. to the craft beer industry. It's ten dollars for an access to a dope ass community. Sure, like sure. That, thats really what it is.
3: Yeah, that that's really cool. And uh, what it goes down August eighth as originally planned. Is that when people can access all this stuff?
0: Yeah, nah, yeah August eighth, and nine, man. It's, uh, this is gonna be <laughs> a long a ass day. day. And you know what? Don't undersell this. But day and I will be on this motherfucker talking all day. Yeah. <laughs> so <if you> do, <laughs> we'll be hosting. We'll be hosting the uh, the event. So <laughs> I ain't gonna be shit by three thirty. <laughs>
3: yeah, be careful it's what you choose. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Well, I will be there virtually, um, and I look forward to it. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you guys coming on to take some time to talk with us today. Uh, It was really fun and illuminating in a lot of spots, and I think what you're doing is really cool. And, um, yeah, I just really appreciate it. I think this was great. Appreciate you, bro.
0: Flag up. Yeah,
3: appreciate you having us, dude. Most definitely. And next time I come to Pittsburgh on vacation, which I will um, hopefully... There is no more COVID somehow and we can meet up and grab a beer somewhere. Yeah, it is. Link up.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean we enjoy drinking. But what yeah.
3: You <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, awesome. Uh guys, thanks a lot. Have a good night.
0: All right, just welcome guys, All
3: right, I want to thank everyone for listening. Big thanks to the Thrillist Pod team. Mia Fask, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, Emily Feld, and from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hatakudor. Big, big, big thanks to our editor and mixer, Dan Byrne. Thanks, Dan. See everyone next week. Stay strong out there. Bye.
0: Rise
1: above the sea of sameness and shop the Lincoln Corsair at Woodhouse Lincoln, the Omaha Metro's exclusive Lincoln dealer. The Lincoln Corsair has seating for five and integrated technology features that deliver the functionality you need. With an expressive aesthetic and luxurious interior, the Lincoln Corsair is quiet luxury, redefined. Visit us in-store off 144th and Giles Road at Woodhouse Place or online at woodhouselincoln.com.
0: Hey guys, it's me, Gam, and I'm back to announce season two of Positively Gam. Join me for some fun and thought provoking conversations about lifestyle issues, including saving for retirement, boundaries, women's health, and aging, of course. Come on, let's celebrate life together. Plus, I have a surprise co host on a few episodes. <laughs> Listen to Positively Gam on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Hey, did you miss us? Truth Hounds is back. In its first season, the one-of-a-kind investigative podcast, co-hosted by comedians and real-life friends Anna Saragina and Kyle Mazzono, dare to ask questions both mundane and extraordinary. Questions like, why are some people mean? And why does time fly by when you're having fun? And now, they are back for what experts are calling one of the most dramatic seasons yet. This season will have you saying things like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Listen to The Truth Hounds on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.